Welcome to a podcast about something where each week we dive deep into whatever it is we find interesting. I'm your host, Calvin, and joining me from Stamford, Connecticut. Stamford, Connecticut. It is Nick Richardson. What's hey, up? it's me. I'm in Stamford, Connecticut. Um, we got bad news coming down the tubes, my man. Yeah, I, uh, Dunder Mifflin Branch is going to be shut down, and we are going to talk about the merging of Scranton and Stamford and how that all works out. Arguably one of the second, I'll rank it in the top five series of events that's happened on The Office. Yeah, top five, because you got the whole Jim Pam relationship, you got Michael and Holly, there's a lot of other stuff, it's definitely top five. Yeah, yeah. Ryan getting the job at corporate, Michael Scott Paper Company, like there's a lot going on there. But Ryan's goatee. Ryan's Uh. goatee, it's true. (laughs) Ryan being replaced by the... uh, or no, Ryan replaced the old lady. Pam being replaced by the old lady at reception, and then Ryan replacing her. There's a lot going on in season five. It was a weird time. But we were talking about season three, um, mostly just the branches merging. Uh, kind of most of season three deals with this idea that one of the branches is going to shut down, and the other one is going to absorb it, and the fallout from that. But we're talking uh, pretty much episodes seven, eight, and nine which are the episodes that the branches actually merge in. So episode 7 is branch closing, episode 8, the merger, and episode 9, the convict. The, the convict. convict. And then there's a little in Benihana Christmas, but the, the merger has been done by then. Yeah, pretty much. It's all, you know, they're all coming together and everything's pretty much, the big moves have been made. Yes, that's true. We, uh, we know who's going where and why and when. So let's start out with branch closing. Uh, we get the we're not gonna do a recap of every episode, but we're gonna have to talk through the episodes as we go through. So branch closing, everyone's getting word that the Scranton branch will close and the Stamford branch will remain open and absorb Scranton and the Dunder Mifflin Northeast or whatever they call it. Uh, we do get one of Jim's best pranks ever in yes. cold open for this with the uh, the faxes from Future Dwight. I loved that shit. I made sure to put a note that says, love the opening for branch closing. Jim yeah. sending Dwight the faxes is, is Has nothing to do with the actual merger, but it happened, so we gotta talk about it. Oh, of course. So, yeah, again, Stanford is gonna stay open, absorb Scranton Branch and their customers. Um, Jan, she goes to meet with Michael in the beginning. She says she doesn't relish uh, shutting down the Scranton Branch, but, like, clearly she does. I think, oh, yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> she enjoys it. And getting and I mean, rid of Michael. And, yeah. It's it's made all the more clear when he says, you know, I hurt, I know I hurt you, but please don't, don't hurt do this me, to like, me. You, like I hurt you, yeah. And, don't hurt and me. That was a super eye roll moment, but I feel like for Jan, that was definitely big time hurt. Like, it, you know, wasn't good for her. Um, no. And so she enjoyed this bit of power over Michael Scott. The man oh, could not be wrangled. And uh, for the Scranton branch, we've got two groups of people. Uh, there are one group that gets offered a transfer, and the other gets offered severance. Uh, Michael wants to know if he's a severance guy or a small <laughs> group, and uh, she tells him he's a severance guy. But is this really fair that Michael's a severance guy? For <laughs> I would go into it thinking yes, but as soon as he started, oh my god, doing all that, I that's yeah. when it hits the no point for me. <laughs> right. Because it's so much obviously more than a job for him. It's his mm-hmm. life. and Yeah, absolutely. Thunder Mifflin is by far his life. And I just, I don't think it's really 
fair from a from a purely business perspective because obviously Josh Porter is going to remain the manager in Stanford but Michael could transfer as a salesman because that was one of his qualities always was he's a great salesman so why wouldn't you offer him to move and continue being a salesman and kind of help help the clients who are moving with them you know ease that tension that would be my thought as a business person but Jan wants him gone clearly yeah i mean that's a a brilliant point and i think that would be great if it was anyone else say you take jim or dwight or andy um and they could do that but not michael scott he does not do well under others especially i mean well, yeah, later he, in the seasons he goes back to being a salesman and that just doesn't really work out for him i'm not saying he would have worked there for a long time under josh but i think he should have been offered to move oh yeah i'll agree with that I will agree with that, but you know Severance is pretty nice. Um, That's true. I I feel like everybody else reacted pretty positively to the news when Michael broke it, so maybe they just assumed. Who knows? They could have. I don't know. Who knows? It, it so, depends on where you're at. Who, if if you're put in this situation, you've got to pick people to transfer to Stanford. Who are you picking? You know, there's no Stanley Tree. These guys, you yeah. know, they're not everywhere. I want to see that field. Filled with Stanleys and Phyllis's and Kevin's. Kevin's. Kevin Malone Field. So who would you have picked to go to Stanford if you're Jan? Uh, As we know, you know, spoilers, we know how this plays out. If you're listening to this, you've seen The Office, you know what happens. Obviously. Well, I would send... Damn, there's like zero people I would jump up and down to send. I'd send Dwight. Oscar. Dwight. Oscar. Um, probably Angela. Not Pam. Not don't, Pam. You don't need to transfer receptions. I don't know that you send Oscar and Angela. You have to pick one, I would think. Uh, just because that you don't need sense. to move to accountants. Well, let's, they can just have a cage match. Well, yeah. And well, that'll decide. But you got to have the Kevin. accounting department transfer. Mm. Let's see here. Someone yeah, they've got to keep sales. all that in line. So that's Dwight. Dwight. And fuck Toby. You only need think, one HR rep. I would think Stanley maybe too. If you're just going seniority in the sales staff, you'd look to him. Uh, he's he's always had a great sales record. I don't I, as Stanley says he would have chosen the severance and retired early. But I think from Jan's perspective, Stanley would be a good guy to grab. I I'd grab him. He knows a lot of clients. They obviously like I mean, him. Karen in later seasons tries to to poach him away from Scranton. So like obviously people want Stanley. He's just because so there lovable. is no Stanley tree. Well, I mean he's the most lovable guy ever. Mm. Ever you take those crosswords and shove it up your butt. <laughs> so then, <laughs> so um then we we flash over to stanford and andy you know karen and jim are talking about it and andy tells jim in your face like jim had anything <laughs> to do with it like that was always funny to me it was like what the... andy andy's stupid andy is so stupid these past couple or when you first get to know him mm. But he's also great because, like, he steals Josh's computer when he's leaving. He has, like, a mini freakout in the kitchen. Like, they, there's these <laughs> moments of Andy early on where you, you see the bigger picture of Andy. and But, like, at the same time, he's kind of stupid and annoying. Can be. So we go back to Scranton. Michael's just got the worst poker face walking around. Everybody gets the idea of what's going on. He tells everyone literally almost immediately. Yeah, um, no, like, zero prompting for the most part. Ryan like was mad because he just got all his business cards, which, who gives a shit? Yeah, oh, I think Ryan. Ryan probably would have transferred, too. Eh, 
He, he would have wanted to be closer to New York, and obviously, you know, they're pegging Ryan, since he's in business school, to do greater things with the company later down the road. Probably a good call. So you're looking at this from a purely business perspective. Yeah, from a business I'm looking at this from the office perspective. Oh, like skewed. who would be enjoyable in, in the office under Josh Porter? Nobody yes. would be, because that office would be boring, and they would play Call of Duty, and that's it. That's the only fun thing they would do there. Modern day streaming, brother. Right I there. Guess, I guess they would take shots uh, if they have to do late night sales calls too. Shots. <laughs> uh, we get the great Stanford, Connecticut chant, which anytime <laughs> anyone mentions Stanford, like that's the only thing that pops into my head. Yeah, when. <laughs> See, I honestly, that's like their anthem in my mind, and I mm. did not know. That it actually existed. Like, I always thought these were fictional towns for the longest time. No, they're real towns. Seriously. And then I had a hard time saying Stamford and not Stanford. Instead of Stanford. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, I I didn't realize Stanford was a real place either. And then, like, since season three of The Office, I've been hearing about it all over the place. And I had never heard of it in my 25 years prior to watching this episode. Yeah, I know there was another show... um, God, that I heard him say Stamford, Connecticut. I just don't... I think it was mentioned in The Good Place at one point. That's quite possible. That's quite possible. From the same creators, so maybe they have a a tie there somehow. Uh, So Bob Vance Vance Refrigeration buys up the warehouse. Good for him. (laughs) Bob Vance... Sorry, I I saw a meme today, and it was Darth Maul with Bob Vance's face on. (laughs) <laughs> and he does Bob Vance and then shoots one of his little you know, <laughs> parts of the lightsaber. Vance refrigeration. And he puts both sides out. I had to throw that out there. If you find that meme and send it to me, I'll love you forever. Alone podcast on Twitter. Yes. Uh, hit us with that. Um, so later in the episode, the, the sale falls through, obviously. How pissed do you think Bob Vance was when he doesn't get to acquire that uh, warehouse? Honestly. That's a lot of refrigerator space in there. Hell yeah, man. He could expand big time, and that, I'm sure that would make his... And I'm sure they're giving it to him cheap, too. Oh, yeah, and at the same time, having the product in the warehouse would save you so much overhead. Or, you know, on uh, Shipping costs, yeah. Exactly. I mean, the trucking costs... It would increase overhead, know. but it would, yeah. it would. You well, wouldn't have uh, to ship it in different places. And if, not to if, mention, you have a full crew already hired. Like, you don't have to go through yeah. the pain of hiring a warehouse crew. Yeah, most definitely. Experience, too. I would and have been I, real pissed. I, I gotta say, if the, he has to keep all the stuff at like a warehouse off-site, though, imagine the cost of having that building on top of that. That'd be ridiculous. Right, exactly. He's paying savings. two leases instead of one. I, and I'm sure, like, uh, oh, shit, I don't remember the guy's name off the top of my head. The guy in the wheelchair who owns the building. Um, I, I bet he would give him a deal if, you know, he's got both, if he's got the warehouse and the uh, his actual office space rented there. Oh, most definitely. So we get Michael and Dwight going to David Wallace's house. Uh, (laughs) I I said here, I feel like if David ever got home and was actually confronted by Michael and Dwight, he would have just shut the branch down anyways. Even after everything played out here, he'd be like, no, I don't like that guy. Shut the whole thing down. Yeah, I'm sick of this. We'll find a new manager. Jim can be manager in Stanford. We don't don't need to do this shit. These guys showed up in my house. That's fucking weird. In real life, yes. But this is the creator of Suck It. So, I mean, this dude's a little out there. Suck It! I just, I love that. It was creepy as shit when Dwight, like, looks in the backseat <laughs> Christmas card list. It's like, I wonder how many people have my name and, like, address and phone number in their phone. Like, yeah, just random just information. In yeah. yeah. Maybe I have a I lot of people 
from like college and high school still on my phone and i'm like well you never know when you might need to call this random ass person that i haven't spoken to in 15 years right john you know sorry sorry for calling man <laughs> but i need a hand <laughs> i know you're around because i see you on facebook posting that you live in this area so yeah help me out guess what i'm here um <laughs> sorry about you yeah <laughs> So, you know, Michael and Dwight, they stay there for the rest of the time. They role-play a little bit. Uh, Dwight just shuts Michael down in the role-playing. Like, Michael can't (laughs) handle real, actual arguments. He's like, no, no, he's going to be intimidated. Don't do that shit. Yeah. Uh, Ah, act intimidated. Ah. (laughs) Ah. And and then at the the end of their arc, um, Dwight and Michael, they still take credit for whatever transpired throughout the rest of the episode. They're like, yeah, we did it. Obviously. We did it. Obviously, us standing here waiting on his doorstep is is what did it. So, without him knowing, we were here. Yeah, exactly. Video, in fact, pa- I mean, Pam does ask Jan, did, "Did Michael actually do something?" And Jan's like, "What the hell are you talking about? How could Michael <laughs> do anything?" Um, we get a scene somewhere in there, Ryan and Kelly breaking up, which I don't really understand, other than Kelly's dumb. Like, they're still both going to live in Scranton. They've both always lived in Scranton. Why would they have to? break up just because they're going to work at different places no that well i know it's ryan's way of getting out like i I get that ryan's like trying to get out of the relationship and he's using this dumb excuse but kelly shouldn't be that dumb to not realize that wasn't he supposed to move to stanford though um in his little talking head he's like uh kelly's gonna go somewhere else i'm probably gonna go somewhere else and like the way it sounded was like they weren't going to stanford they were just going to have to find different jobs they just weren't gonna but work still together in yeah okay i, I that's how i took it but maybe I I mean, again i would take ryan and stanford if it were me making these decisions but the kid the kid wonderkin yeah. i don't, I don't, I don't know, know. i guess means. i guess kelly is kind of uh a little, yeah, Kelly's a little thick yeah uh and the, kelly's dumb that that's all there is to <laughs> it really sorry kelly um, so then Josh Porter screws over Dunder Mifflin by leveraging his new title into a better job with Staples. Yes, that was so awesome. Is he the asshole in this situation? Fuck yeah. Really? <laughs> well, Why? I mean, okay. He he took a better job for himself. I would do the same, same right. exact thing. But that doesn't mean you're not an asshole. I could it, see that. It does okay. not mean you're not an asshole. I mean, okay, he so is... he's a, he's an asshole, but he did the right thing for himself. Exactly. All the like, and I think I... five years down the road, if I was those people, I'd look at it like he did the right thing for himself. It's five years down the road, but well, yeah, you... nobody nobody even mentions him ever again. So like yeah, they didn't I mean, miss him right. really that much. But at the time, that's a huge upheaval. I mean, you are affecting a lot of people's lives. But dude, this is the real world. <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah, no, I get that. That makes sense. Um, but I'm with you. I think we've talked about this before. Like, you do not owe any loyalty to the company you work for because they will throw you under the bus as soon as they get a chance. So in Josh's case, like, he did the right thing for him. Absolutely. He's an asshole, but he did the right thing. Yes, sir. Uh, so Scranton is now going to be absorbing Stanford. Some people will be coming over from Stanford. Um which uh, we'll talk about who all came over, but the big question is, is Jim coming back? Obviously, because it's a TV show, Jim's coming back, but at the time, nobody knows. If you were Jim, would you go back? I don't see why not. Uh, I don't know, man. I might just pack up ship and go to New York. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, you take the severance, you figure out what you're going to do next. You left 
Scranton for a reason, throwing yourself right back into that situation is not going to be good for anyone. No, especially with a new girlfriend around your old flame. Well, That's they weren't dating yet. Me. Well. They they started yeah. dating, like, right after this episode, he and Karen did. So there was some fireworks going off. We'll leave right. it at that. Right. So, yeah, if I were him, I would have just taken the severance, told Tar- Karen to take the severance, chill out for a little bit, and then f- figure out your next steps together. And I leave mean, old flames yeah. in the past. But obviously, yeah. in the in the world of the show, he has to come back. Well, definitely. He's, like... I love Jim in the office. He's great. Yeah. It would have been it would have been a real bad show if he was just like, Nope, I'm done. See ya. Yeah, it just wouldn't have worked as it wouldn't <laughs> Andy's have been re- Andy's as replacing me. Yeah, no. That wouldn't have been fun. <laughs> that wouldn't have been fun. And I mean he's the only thing that keeps the show later in its life alive. Mm. Otherwise, once Michael leaves it it loses a lot of its heart. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so Jan arrives back in Scranton. Scranton, she's driven like four hundred miles. Again, like just call somebody on the phone. She's exhausted. I get it. Just pick up the phone for that last trip and be like, Michael, here's what's going on. I'm not driving <laughs> back again. Fuck you. No shit. You have a cell phone. That's what they're for. Um, this doesn't really have anything to do with anything, but I've always wondered, and now's as good a time to bring it up as any, with Andy, how does a trust fund baby Cornell grad get a job at a middling paper sales company in Stamford, Connecticut? Like, that doesn't seem like the type of job that type of person would take. Uh, I don't know. You're kind of sitting his, at a desk all day. You through don't all his anyone. alumni connections and everything like that, I feel like he could do something better. Doubtful. I bet but, that dude... I don't I mean, think I don't think Andy could do something better because he's no. a moron, but... Well, and you hear about all the shit he's done later in life, like Boner Champ. You uh, yeah, know, he was the I Boner mean, Champ. If some That's dude true. that referred to himself as Boner Champ was like, "Hey, bro, can you give me? A, can I use you as a reference for this super high-profile job, man? Like, trying to set my life up?" I would tell him. I mean, no. Broccoli Rob would have given him a, a good reference, though. If some dude named Broccoli Rob did that, I'd be like, <laughs> "No, bro, lose my fucking phone number." Do you remember no. who played Broccoli Rob? Uh, I know his face. It's the dude, uh, the douche, Crazy Ira from uh, Parks and Rec. No. No. Are you sure? Stephen Colbert. Was it Stephen Colbert? Yeah, I think that was the only appearance of Broccoli Rob. Unless there was a different... I know what you're talking about, Crazy Ira and the douche. The douche is Nick Kroll. Who was yeah, also I know Crazy league. Ira. Crazy Ira is the other guy. I'm, all right, I it was Stephen up. Colbert. It was like in season 8 or 9 when Andy was manager and he did the... Um, he dressed up as George Michael and was That's, singing okay. Faith and it was Stephen Colbert came on behind him. Yeah. Well, I, that's, for some reason, I'm associating... I think Crazy Ira is somewhere in the office, though. I think it's his voice. Maybe. I think it's his voice. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we'll look that up. Uh, get us on Twitter if you know where Crazy Ira from Parks and Rec shows up in the office, or if he does. Thanks. At APA somethings. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, moving back to this, uh, we're kind of getting into the end. Everybody's going to Poor Richards together. They finally decided on a place to go together. Um, Phyllis tells, and this is the, the, this statement gave me the idea to do this whole episode because, um, the office podcast, podcast about the office at pod, the office on uh, Twitter 
was doing an episode on branch merger. They, they, they're doing a watch through. They do every episode, um, and they just hit branch merger, and they asked this question of how does Phyllis know that Jim is coming back because she tells Pam. And that set me off into this whole spiraling uh, thought process that I was like, okay, we got to do a full episode on it. And here we are. <laughs> so thank you, uh, The Office Podcast. Check them out if you like The Office. They're really great. Yes, and thanks for listening. Yeah. Um, how does Phyllis know that Jim is coming back? Okay, I saw you talking about this on Twitter, and it's been in my fucking head ever since. Okay, I have three possibilities. I have no idea. <laughs> I, I I often take things too seriously, so I'm just like, no, 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 that doesn't make sense. So this thing has presented me with a problem, and I just can't wade through it. To okay, find my, a solid my first possibility is Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration, gets pissed that uh, he doesn't get to acquire the warehouse anymore. He's venting to Phyllis, who he's dating at the time. And, like, for, for whatever reason, Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration, knows that Jim and people are coming back. Or, or coming, and that he, like, he knows all the details of, the, say, of the, the merger because he's been discussing it about the warehouse. So that's my first thought, which I, I don't really like that one. Hold on, let me say something yeah. about... Mr. Bob Vance with Vance for Vance for yeah. Fuck, that's a tongue twister in its own, in its own right. Got um, a lot to learn about this town, sweetie. <laughs> um, I just I don't think Bob Vance Vance for refrigeration <laughs> care like cares at all about Jim. No, um, and I'm sure he probably didn't have any knowledge about what was going on exactly. He was probably just I like, would agree oh, with that. The warehouse. Yeah, I, I think he'd be pissed that he doesn't get the warehouse, but he I don't think he'd go looking for more details. Yeah, uh, so my, my next thought, and this was my original thought, is that uh, I thought Jan and Michael, but Michael's obviously not there, so it couldn't be him. Jan and or Toby meet with the sales team to kind of go over what's going to happen with the clients, the new clients coming over from, over from Stanford, what's going on with Jim's clients because he's coming back, does he get his old clients back, does he just bring in new ones, what happens there? So maybe they met with the sales team. But not everybody else. So Phyllis heard, but no one else did. And Phyllis is the only gossipy one on the set. Like Stanley's not going to go gossip. Dwight's not going to go gossip. Ryan yeah, doesn't give a shit. They were really up in arms when they tried to give Pam and Ryan their, you know, their clients. And I'm right. sure once they absorbed Jim's clients, which I'm guessing is a pretty hefty list, um, yeah. they probably wouldn't give that up willingly. Well, I have a, we'll talk about that more later on what actually happened with Jim's clients. Um, and then my, my third, and this is actually what I think I've landed on, my third possibility, because as I watched the episode again yesterday, um, Phyllis kind of leans into Pam, because Pam goes, oh, really? You think he's coming back? And, and Phyllis kind of leans in, and she starts whispering, like, she's like, well, I hurt, and then she gets cut off by Michael or Kevin or somebody to go to Port Richards, and she's just like, okay, I'll tell you later. Hmm. Um, so, to me, it sounds like Phyllis overheard Jan in the bathroom or you know just somewhere else like maybe Janton was on the phone with Jim as Jim's confirming that he's coming back or with David Wallace after David Wallace says something so that's that's where I'm landing is Phyllis overheard Jan somehow I got and that's it. how she knows what do you got, got it um so hear me out I got you. I have to rewatch it to to see if it lines up but Jan stepped out um while everything was in the air no that was in Stanford so she, she, I think she did when she got back too, though. Because I, I think just, she did because she was trying. So it would she make comes sense in, she, she says she's driven four hundred miles, whatever, and she tells them that their branch isn't closing, blah blah blah. 
and then she's kind of walking out and she tells Pam try and get a hold of Michael instead of her just calling Michael again. She tells Pam to get a hold of him and she like walks out the door. So maybe she's going outside to take a phone call from Jim and Phyllis is going outside to go meet with Bob Vance Vance Refrigeration or something. Who knows? Ooh, I that um that makes sense. I mean, there's also if she felt it necessary to drive 400 miles to tell everybody this in person mm-hmm. that she went to tell Bob Vance in person that the deal oh, was off. It wasn't happening, and she, you know, Phyllis got- was on break or something over with Bob, and he got all super mad. That's Bob Vance Vance Refrigeration. For you yes, too, I'm sorry, that Bob Vance Vance for Refrigeration. Kind of line well, line Orky and Bob. Yeah. <laughs> Just a harsh look. He should have said something like salt mining. (laughs) That's where I'm landing, is Phyllis overheard Jan somewhere talking to Jim. I could see Jan, or Phyllis, hearing that, that, you know, the deal was off and just assuming Jim was coming back. Yeah, could be. But she, she kind of leaned in like she actually heard something somewhere. So I don't know. That's a good point. If, if you guys have thoughts, let us know at APA something. Uh, the guys from the Office Podcast, they couldn't figure it out either. Um, so that's what I gave them my idea of uh, Jan met with the sales team. Uh, so if you've got them, tag them as well at Pod the Office because th- they'd like to hear anyone else's theories too, I'm sure. But also go listen to their episode. I will be doing so. Um, so then... We get a final scene. Jim is kind of talking Karen into... We have real confirmation that Jim's coming back. He's talking to Karen, saying she should go too, because she'd do really well. In this situation, do you think Jim is using... Like, they're not dating yet. uh, Because Karen does a talking head right after where she's like, I don't know if he's into me, but I'm into him. So, like, they haven't gone on any dates, obviously. So do you think Jim's bringing Karen along because he knows there's something there, specifically as a buffer to Pam, so he doesn't, like, have to deal with any fallout with Pam. Because I think he is. Because Jim's kind of a dick. And, like, Jim would do something like that to benefit himself. Yeah, especially because I don't think he really gives a damn about the Stanford people. Like, he always seems like... He like, I think like he generally outsider. likes Karen. But well, yeah, I mean, it's hard not to like Karen. I mean, look at her. Or and, Pam from the back. Yeah, fool, dude. I was, uh ironically on reddit today and they had you know i scrolled past a little gif of jenna fisher getting photographed in a like a you know getting shots done in a pond or something in a bikini strange place yeah i mean it was a nice pond but great pond yeah i wanted to see that pond. (laughs) it reminds me of blades of glory as well her jenna fisher's great scenes there she i man i do not remember her in that movie She's the, like, you know how Will Arnett and Amy Poehler are, like, the brother-sister skating team? She's the other sister who they blame for, like, killing their parents or whatever. Really? And she goes and seduces Will Ferrell at one time, at one point. She tries to seduce John Heater, but he's too much of a man-child. He doesn't figure that out. Yeah, I see this picture now. I think the pawn <laughs> one was... I, yeah, fuck yeah. I think the pawn one was even better. All right, so by the end of branch closing, the branch is closed. Some people, uh, the Stanford branch has closed. Some people are coming back to Scranton. Let's just do a quick rundown of who that is. We got Jim Halpert, sales. Martin Nash, accounting. Uh, Tony, pepperoni Tony Gardner, which I don't know what department he's in. Andy Bernard, sales. Karen Filippelli, sales. And Hannah Smotridge Barr, who sits next to Creed. So she does something. 
She does quality control. And that's what Creed does. Yeah. But she's also that's also next to Meredith, and Meredith does like customer relations or whatever, so or supplier relations. So she's in between those two things. She's a customer relation. Maybe. So yeah, those are the one, two, three, five, six people who are coming back to Scranton. So then we come to the merger. Uh, episode seven of season three. Episode eight of season three, rather, sorry. Merger. Um uh, so then we get you know, we get the opening scene of the Stanford branch finally closing. Um, Andy has a knack for arts and crafts, so he makes the little rip Stanford hats. <laughs> Good for him. Classy. He tries to um, start kissing Michael's ass even before he leaves Stanford. Does he, Calvin? Really, Calvin? I didn't know that, Calvin. Why? Oh, yeah. Yeah, name recognition. <laughs> Never breaking off a handshake. Yes, he, he asks Jim how to get in with Michael. You know, it's Jim's not giving him anything. And then Pam pulls a great prank on Dwight as well. Um, making him run laps around the building to beat Toby's mile time. I'm not even tired. Thermometer. <laughs> it's a thermometer. She slowly her game slowly gets better as the seasons go on. Well, she, I think she was at her best when Jim was gone too. Like she knew that there was a gym sized hole in the office and she needed to fill that gap. I think and, she's good and, at it too. Yeah, she is good at it. Except the one on the elevator where she screws with the elevator buttons and she gets stuck and Dwight has to establish a pea corner immediately. That was she's pretty, uh, you know, she's pretty happy. I would say through the whole ordeal, she's not crying at least. Well, until Dwight tries to pee in the corner. Other than that, she's happy. I'll give you that. And he just keeps on drinking, bastard. Um. So the Stanford employees arrive in Scranton. Dwight, you know, implores Michael to fire somebody, consolidate power. That's how they did it in uh, World War II, Japan. They would kill somebody as soon as they got to the concentration camp to show them they weren't fucking around. Obviously, Dwight wants to do that in the office as well. He has the weaponry for it. Well, yeah, that's true. A lot of weapons around the office. Uh, They're all given gift bags. What is in the gift bags? What do you think? I know. We obviously have pencils and coupons. Do you think there's anything else in there? Paper. Paper. I bet you there's like a single folded piece of white paper. A a blank slit for you to start your new career in Scranton. Yes. Make me a best boss ever card. There you go. <laughs> with with the pencils you were given. Yes. And then you can go to Poor Richards with this coupon and maybe the Anthracite Museum. And buy me a drink. Yeah, I don't I, I don't know that Michael has the forethought to put anything other than that stuff in there, to be honest. That's, yeah, I don't know. He does some work in the dinner party episode. That's true. He brings he brings his potato salad. <laughs> Oh no, that's that's at the uh, cocktail party at David Wallace's house. Yeah, that's so, when he uh, gets uh, Jim and Pam to come over. Yeah, like, that, corners yeah. him into it. That's true. He does put a lot of work into that. Uh, check out episode forty uh, something, fifty something, where we talked about the dinner party. I don't know what episode check it, it is. Out. Somebody <laughs> could look it up. It's in it's in the archives. Just go back a few uh, weeks. We get a truly iconic Andy line here of "I'm always one step ahead, like a carpenter." Who makes stairs? <laughs> I don't know why I love that joke. It's awesome. He says some odd shit. He does, but that's all. I'm always, I'm always thinking one step ahead, like a carpenter who makes stairs. He's got to think where the next stair is going. I get it. It makes sense. I mean, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. But I, that's, it's just so out there. It's like oh, I've never. It's when he, t- like when he talks about uh, giving his list to, you know, his maid or whatever. To go out every Tuesday and Friday and get what I need. So maybe she'll get me this job. 
just little <laughs> shit like that. Like that's that's Andy's character yeah. perfectly. That's a yeah, good that's introduction true. to him. Um, then Jim finally arrives. Pam ruins his joke. He has a great joke set up where he doesn't know what he's doing. Blah blah blah, and she just hugs him. Like, come on, Pam, don't finish his joke. No, it's okay. No. And Ryan Ryan pulls the power play for Jim's death. Seriously, it's like he just slapped his wiener down on the table and was like, "What's up, buddy?" Jim's a nice guy. Do you got the balls so I got to? The desk. Uh, yeah, no shit. And that's why I got the desk. Which this this is really the first. I mean, we've had some inkling before, but this is really the first kind of douche Ryan coming out. Just skeevy little Ryan. Yeah, that's for sure. And then he hits you again later in the ep- or in the episode before that. So I guess this is a reinforcement of his skeeviness. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so we get a welcome breakfast with a great orientation video of Lacey Scranton. The little cars go in the compact spot. 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 No one's impressed by that video. Like that was really good. Michael's got talent. He's got the yeah. eye. Great Scott Productions. Like, come on, you guys don't care. Great Scott Productions. Jim was uh, Jim was actively making fun of him for it. Like, I would think that's really cool if that was my orientation video. Now, if I had to watch it six hundred times, I wouldn't. But I don't know, bro. My current. I'd job. rather that than the Whew. yeah the ones that we have at my current job is like four hours of boring ass videos like i would much rather have lazy scranton yeah in mind we have to do training for active shooters and it's literally mm. from the 90s all right well, yeah i don't and know this... that you want to spice that up too much you need you need to get information through there well he's literally running around with a shotgun and <laughs> when he shoots it at people a cartoon like blast of fire and gunpowder comes out of the end of it and then they're on the floor with like catch up is what literally what this <laughs> shit looks like i kid you not and every time i i mean i have to watch it every year and it's just like uh you guys are you couldn't afford something better than this and if they hit me with something that michael scott did like that i'm so game yeah we have a driver safety video that's from like 1984 still holds up apparently <laughs> very it's very bad and very boring well those new ones cost too much so that's true or to just like walk outside and make your own. I <laughs> movie bitches. Um, so all of these normal, mostly normal people. Like you could argue that Andy's not normal, but the rest of them, all these normal people, are dropped into the Scranton branch of Dunder Mifflin, and they just can't handle it. No, it's uh, like, it's a sandy world out there, man. Yeah, they. I mean, they had no shot. Andy's trying to hit on Angela, which is going nowhere. Um, Pam tries to ask out Jim and Jim turns her down, you know, cause he started seeing Karen at this point. Uh, Creed is creeping on Hannah as she's pumping. Yeah. It's so weird, man. Creed and all his creedness. So and then, um, you know, Karen can't handle Phyllis's perfume that Bob Vance bought in Metropolitan Orlando, which fun fact, I'm in Metropolitan Orlando right now as we speak. I haven't seen Bob Vance around though. You haven't seen who around? Bob Vance. Swear you bought the perfume. Of Vance Refrigeration? Vance Refrigeration, yeah. Sorry. Thank you. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if someone tried to monetize that at some point. It's like, <laughs> Phyllis Perfume! <laughs> I don't know that it would go very far, because apparently it does not smell good. According to Karen and Stanley, who said he's been sitting downwind of Phyllis's perfume for years, and he doesn't complain. Now, is it... Later on, they established that Phyllis has a body odor of some sort. Is uh, that just no, her she pr- was... 
she was uh, that was when didn't she have like an illness or something yeah when michael became a salesman and jim became manager uh she had sent out an email to everyone that she was on some new medication that caused some gas that uh was not good bob vance vance refrigeration saw that ahead of time hit her with yeah. the perfume gave her extra extra uh smelly perfume obviously <laughs> Uh, but that's when we get the iconic Phyllis line of "You've got a lot to learn about this town, sweetie." To Karen, yeah, when she can't, when she doesn't know who Bob Vance is, straight up Stone Cold stunnered her. <laughs> <laughs> got a lot to learn about this town. Um, so then next we get the integration celebration, Love where it. Michael tries to turn it into a night at the Roxbury, which is very a very stale reference at this point. It's probably eight years old. At least, man. I thought Night at the Roxbury was a little older than that. Like 98, I think. God, man, I feel so old right now. Maybe not. I gotta look it up now. You got me thinking. Might be. But yeah, very still reference. I highly doubt half of them have seen that. Damn, Damn. you were good. Spot on, buddy. You know, Andy joins in. I just, I, I don't know that nobody's seen it. I bet they don't care, though. No. This is, I mean, this is not Lazy Scranton. Like, Lazy, Lazy Scranton is really good. Michael trying to ad lib a scene from night at the roxbury with the white nandy not good not good cringeworthy uh everybody tries to get up on the table uh pepperoni tony can't get up there and is fired so dumb and Uh. this is i think the first time that we see michael realizing throughout the series at this point that michael realizes maybe he's the problem he doesn't he doesn't let that affect him but he realizes he's the problem and then fires tony yeah dumb bastard now they owe severance. Not a good move by Tony. Yeah, and apparently by... you still get like benefits and shit. Yeah, you like I think it was like they had to keep his benefits going for the next three months or whatever. That's expensive for uh, Pepperoni Tony. Yeah, Pepperoni Tony's got some. Uh... He's, he's shit, feeling a little sorry. peckish. Yeah, he's got to get something to eat. <laughs> Sorry about that. I was doing something and I lost my place in my notes. Oh, but yeah, Pepperoni Tony is fired as Dwight first planned. Good for you, Dwight, I guess. Um, so then Michael goes down and lets the air out of everyone's tires to try and, you know, get everyone <laughs> to commiserate and, you know, band together against Vance, Bob Vance Vance Refrigeration and his goons. And they end up uh, just all going back upstairs. Bob Vance Vance Refrigeration says he'll refill the tires and um, they all kind of commiserate over Michael just being terrible. Yeah, they they realized pretty quickly that he had let all the air out of their tires. Well, why aren't because their tires his, flat? Because his car wasn't let out, yeah. Way to God, go, Michael. Man. Michael's not great at pranks. No, 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 <laughs> no. Uh, so we get confirmation at the end of this episode that Jim and Karen are dating. And let's talk this time. Let's take this time, just a couple minutes, to really explore their relationship because i don't think we'll ever do a full episode on jim and karen's relationship and i don't think it deserves one are you a fan of jim and karen no it feels kind of forced yeah it feels like he started dating her as a buffer to pam that's kind of what or at (laughs) least just like a last ditch effort to get over pam or just you know self-medicating with a different type of pretty lady um, right, he but... he kind of figured like he was going back there. He wouldn't be able to just be around Pam. He needed something to fall back on, and that was Karen. And through the rest of this season, their relationship, you can feel that kind of strain on their relationship. And like I don't know, Karen, 
There's nothing like exciting about Karen. Now yeah. Ann Perkins, she's great. But Karen yeah. Filippelli, not so much. Uh, she's very bland in the office. Yeah. She just uh... Jim tries to get her get her to set up like the fun Italian sounding voicemail message, and she does it for a second and then changes it straight back. Like yeah, she she's not there for pranks and uh, just fun loving day at the office. She wants to go in and get her work done. Yeah, she's buttoned down. That that was kind of what sums up Stanford as a whole, is they all were yeah. buttoned down, got their work done, they were productive. They were productive, yeah. Not something that goes on. These people are not made for Scranton life. No. Which is unproductivity, <laughs> but still being the best. Well, they have to they have to get a lot of work done um, after Michael stops distracting them. Yeah. So I guess they're they're even better than this. The Stanford people just don't understand. Yeah, it takes them know. eight hours. The, the, it takes them, they can get all the work done in eight hours that it takes, you know, the Scranton branch to get done in four after Michael's done bothering everyone. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so, okay, no go on Jim and Karen relationship. Glad it only lasted most of the season. And then we get the, the first kind of Andy versus Dwight moment where they're having this talk about the Trans Am versus the X-Earth. And, you know, we just get that, I, I can't think of the word. What's the word I'm looking for, Nick? X-Earth? His X-Terra? Is that what that means? Terra means Earth, yes, in Latin. And, and Dwight makes fun of him. Oh, you drive an X-Earth? I've never thought that deeply into it. I'd rather drive a classic Trans Am than an X-Earth. Well, Dwight brings it up, not me. Yeah, I've never... Wow. Well, I've never even noticed it. It's just gone right over my head. I feel like I missed out on so much. I even took Latin class. <laughs> you need to go back now and watch it again. <laughs> Sorry, I needed that good. That was a good laugh. But that was, uh, yeah, I, that was the establishment of their the, the pissing contest that yes. is like them the, the for four seasons. between them. Yep. And it never really goes away. It goes away sometimes a little bit, but for the most part, they always have this contention between them. Yeah, when it, when it helps each other out, they're, yeah. they'll let Unshun. bygones be bygones. Yeah. Reshun. <laughs> Shun. Unshun. So we move into the convict. The, the last of the merging of the branches, kind of. Uh, Hannah brings in her baby for this episode for whatever reason. Whatever I they guess don't that's explain. Cool. I guess, I mean, I, I guess I get it. She just transferred from a different city. Maybe she hasn't lined up her daycare yet. Maybe her husband hasn't moved yet. Who knows what's going on. So she needs a day with the baby. And nothing gets done in the Scranton branch anyways. Who gives a shit? Yeah, I might as well get paid. Michael asks seemingly to hold the baby and then does something even weirder than anyone ever thought Michael could do and, like, crawls under the table and starts talking to the baby. Yeah. Very strange Michael moment out of, you know, a million strange Michael moments. That's top five. one of the strangest. Yeah, That's top five. Top five, like, pervy ones, man. I love little kids. Well, it's... but, I mean, in uh, when Jan has her baby, Astrid, uh, he talks about like when he first held her and he's like, oh, I love holding babies. I do it all the time. And he like it shows these scenes of him just on the street holding random babies. And then he does this weird thing, which I get it's before and they write kind of whatever. But like, this is just a really super weird thing to do. Yeah, no shit. If my boss was on the floor talking to my baby, I'd, be like, Dude, I'd probably just go home for the day. Yeah, I'd be like, yeah, yep, I'd go home for the day. And don't call me. Yeah. Uh, so accounting discovers that they're receiving some sort of rebate for employing an ex-convict. Um, yeah, Michael gets a good burn on Toby. Uh, he never misses a chance to burn Toby when he's on the phone with Jan. He says, it must be Toby, convicted rapist. <laughs> Great Jan sigh over the Con phone. Ja rapist. 
Jan and David Wallace have that through the phone sigh at Michael just down pat. Just mm-hmm. the. <sighs> it's like they literally hold the phone like right up to their mouth. So <laughs> yeah. Goes, oh. It's it's so great. Anytime he says something incredibly stupid and with, to either one of them, just like. <sighs> the quick hang up right after. Yeah. I'll be there in 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, so that brings up the question. Would you care if you worked with a reformed convict? No, I've worked with a ton of them before. Yeah, I'm sure in security, that's probably they probably gravitate towards that. Would it matter to you if it was for violent crimes, things like that? It depends. Depends uh, how reformed they are. What's that? I said it depends how reformed they are. Uh, it depends on if they're trying to flex on me. It's well, like, yeah, that... uh, you know, then I'm not really cool with it. But dude's just trying to get through his life. Go for it, all, all on you. But if he's out here, like I don't know. It's, it gets I mean, tough. Yeah, white collar financial crimes, like. Oh, I wouldn't give a shit. I'd be like, get, seriously, dude. Yeah, yeah. Um, seriously, can you teach me and teach me to do it better so you don't get caught, like yeah. that kind of thing? They sent you. They sent you to prison, like seriously, instead of just the tons of other bad guys out there. They sent you. And okay. and obviously, it sounds like what Kevin does every day, spawning millions yeah, no of theories shit. that Kevin is smarter than he looks. The uh, way he uh, works some cards, I think he might be. He might just be. Except he loses immediately on casino night. He got a poker bracelet, but he also lost in the warehouse casino night. So I, Kevin's an enigma, man. He is. Yeah, I don't know what to do with Kevin. But um, yeah, I don't think I would mind it. Violent criminal, maybe. But if it, like like you said, if they're completely reformed and you, and you can tell they're just trying to put their life back together, like yeah, I don't I don't see a problem with it. Uh, I'll say this: uh, it there's like a natural. It, it works its way out naturally. So say we had a guy on one of our – I used to work at in Olive Garden when I was a teenager as a server. Um, shout out Olive Garden. Fuck no. Reverse shout out. <laughs> shun. Yeah. Yeah, they are definitely. shunned. But anyway, we had a, a, a guy that got hired as a busser who was convicted of basically beating the dog shit out of his girl. Mm. Um, and his girl worked there too. And they would just – they would fight constantly. And I can't tell you how many times this dude was cornered and about to get his ass whooped. And, you know, because it's at work, it doesn't, you know, doesn't actually go down. But before long, he was long gone and out of there. And I think that's kind of the natural thing to happen. It just depends on what they do. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you're not actually trying to get your life back together, like you're going to relapse real quick and... and... Oh yeah, people, people are gonna figure you out. But like with Martin Nash, I don't, I don't think like anything would have ever happened had Michael not been Michael. Oh yeah, it, he's a guy I'd have a lot of questions for. Honestly, the way they ask him like what's prison like and how mm. Michael tries to like compare, you know, one up him constantly. Oh, we'll get to prison, Mike. But yeah, we'll get there. Sorry, I don't want to jump too far ahead. Yeah, don't don't but... jump to prison, Mike, before we're ready. Um, so we got the question, who is the convict? It's Martin Nash. Uh, Michael's upset that it's the black guy. You know, why couldn't it be a white guy who got arrested for loving his job too much or whatever the <laughs> hell he says? But, um, yeah, so he goes and he wants to kind of keep it under wraps. Nobody wants to talk. Whoever's in the room, Angela, Toby, they don't want to talk about it. And then immediately Michael tells everyone. Yeah, no shit. He has a problem with that, especially yeah. when it came to the branch closing. <laughs> yeah, now, these like three that. episodes, he's really bad at keeping his poker face and, and just going along with things. Uh, kind of a side story in this one: Jim is pranking Andy, trying to teach him how to 
get a date with Pam and just giving him terrible advice. <laughs> Tells him uh, that she likes Frisbee-based sports. Uh, and she likes the banjo and people who sing in a high falsetto, which are all things Pam hates. And all things Andy is pretty good at. Exactly. And I think Jim probably knew that stuff about Andy as well, because Andy's not one to like not talk about how great he is at things. Or his personal life right. in a business setting. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think Jim like really played into Andy's uh, hubris there. I would. Jim's good at that. So then we get to the point where everybody's kind of asking Martin about prison and getting to the fact that, and they're just kind of getting under Michael's skin. They're, they don't really think this, but is prison better than working at a middling paper supply company? Yes. Absolutely. Because right? they feed us gruel. Three gruel times sandwiches. a day. We're still not to, we're not to prison, Mike, yet. Hold off. But the gruel, man. Well, the gruel. And the Dementors. And the Dementors. <laughs> <laughs> um I, I i obviously it's not like prison is not better than pretty much any other way of life maybe better than homelessness because you get fed and a place to sleep but it, it, there's also a lot of lot of bad things that go on in prison that everyday life does not prepare you for yeah um, that the only thing i would like is like just having that ease of not having to worry about what i'm gonna do the next day or just like okay Tomorrow we got rec time, 10 to, yeah. 10, to, 10 to 11. TV time's at 11.30. Lunch, all right, I'll take care of. Like, if I didn't have to think about what is going to be in my day, it would just be fantastic. What book am I going to read today? Right, exactly. Oh, I got library full time. 10 hours I find sleep. some books. Yeah. yeah. We, say that. we say that as two guys that work, you know, full-time and have kids. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so just the ease of not having any res- real responsibility would be fantastic. Yeah, that would be nice. Other than the part about being locked up and not having any freedom, yeah, that wouldn't be good. And the gruel. The gruel. And the dementor. So let's talk about Prison Mike. You've been hinting at it. Let's talk about it. Uh, this is definitely one of Michael's best characters, and we, we're we going to do a whole episode on all of Michael's characters at some point. Uh, yes. But Prison Mike, by far, top three, I would say. Yeah, this is one that is so off the cuff and is uh, it's his harebrained like way of thinking about things. So he, yeah. you know, all this is going on. He has all the stimuli and he lands on the prison mic, but I but does that, no research on prison. No, he has no idea what prison's really like. And what um, did, what did prison Mike do to get arrested again? Uh, I don't even remember. He stole and robbed, kidnapped the president's son. He never got caught neither. Never got caught neither. <laughs> that is definitely one of his best characters. It's way better than uh, Ping. And yeah, yeah. Who Ping, else? Ping's rough. Yeah, Ping's pretty bad. Uh, Michael Klump's out there. Yes. Michael Scarn. Date Mike. There's a lot out there. We'll do, there we'll is do a full fucking episode shitload out there. Uh, Mykonos. <laughs> the, the Greek businessman. Worst part about prison, obviously, is the Dementors and the gruel sandwiches. It's gruel three times a day. It's gruel. The Dementors! And they suck the soul right out of your face! So, I want to know, in Michael's mind, what is gruel? What is gruel in anyone's mind? I always wonder when I hear that word. It makes that's me, always it, been like a joke my dad's gone to of like, oh, what are we having for dinner tonight? We're having gruel. Like when we were kids, that's what he would always say, and like to gross us out. And he does it to my kids now too. It's like I, I still have no idea what it is. I always just imagine like dog food covered in gravy. 
I, I kind of think of it as like this oatmeal, but with like almost like an oatmeal smoothie, just like a bunch of shit mixed into this <sighs> oatmealish, soupish, thick thing. And then you put it in a sandwich. And then yeah, and then you make a sandwich out of it, obviously. <laughs> Three times a day. <laughs> so Toby, uh, Michael locks everybody in the conference room because they're being assholes to him. And Toby has to be the one to bring Michael down uh, and just be like, look, they're obviously fucking with you. You moron. Yeah, no shit. Which I had to right, hurt. I get it. Yeah. It's got to hurt when Toby's the voice of reason in Michael's mind. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, but Martin Nash uh, is extremely uncomfortable. He leaves by the end of the episode. So we've got three Stamforders left, Andy, Karen, and Hannah Smotridge Barr. Uh, but that's kind of the end of that. Hannah is kind of killed off screen before Benihana Christmas. They do like, I think they do a cold open with her. Like, oh, she left. And because Andy's talking about how he and Karen are the only ones. It's like the Oopa Loopa song starts playing whenever somebody loses. Like, he does that thing um, at the beginning of Benihana Christmas. So that's hmm. that's the merger. That's the merger. So let's talk about some some little extra things. Uh, we, we hinted at this a little bit earlier, but what do you think they did with Jim's old clients? Did he get him back or not? How do you think they handled it? Uh, that's tough. I I think for the sake of the show, they had to have given him back because I, I felt like they made such a big stink about it later on in the, in right. the series. When, when Michael Scott to... Paper Company came back. Yeah, exactly. And I'm with you there, and I think, I think he got him back but I think they also, like, maybe they didn't make such a big stink because um, all the other, because there were obviously more salespeople in Stanford. So those clients that came over had to get distributed to the salespeople. And um, and uh, Tony Gardner left. He might have been a salesman. So there, there might have been some extra clients up in the air to kind of make amends for giving Jim his back in this situation. That makes quite a bit of sense because they had to have been swamped. Especially yeah. dealing with a, a branch merger like that. And all the flip-flopping. Yeah. Flip-flopping. Flip-flopping, flapping. Are there any employees that didn't last from Stanford that you wish would have stuck around longer? Tony Pepperoni. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I thought would... Tony Pepperoni was kind of boring. He was one dimension. He's just the fat guy. Like, we already have Kevin. We had no idea, though. He seems like a smart that's fat true. guy. So that's a Could whole be. new dynamic, my friend. Well, yeah, he was definitely time. smart enough to see through Michael's shit on day one. So imagine all the the hijinks that him and Kevin could have gotten into. Yeah, that's true. They, uh, Kevin would have finally had somebody to challenge him in the M M&M and M eating contest in uh, the Office Olympics. Yeah, how many M and Ms can you fit in your mouth? Hmm. Uh, my pick was Martin Nash. He seemed he seemed kind of fun. Like he he was very open about his time in prison. He wanted to talk to people. He just seemed like a like a normal guy that could also kind of live it up a little bit in this office scenario. Um, Hannah, I think if she stuck around, we would have just had a slew of breast pumping and baby jokes and it would have gotten old really fast. Yeah. I agree. And it already started to get old in the just three episodes that she was there. Well, I mean, we get it. Creed's c- creepy and yeah. it makes Angela uncomfortable, but I, I, I agree with Martin. Actually, that's a, that's a really good one. I would prefer yeah. Martin over Tony, but I, I would say ranking them Martin, Tony, Hannah. Martin's character felt a lot more natural. Well, I think he was also um, built out a little bit more because we got three episodes with him instead of one. But true, Pepperoni Tony, like you said, he's he's got some potential though. You talked me into him a little bit. 
let's say you work at the Stanford branch of Dunder Mifflin Paper Company, and you were told you had to transfer to Scranton. How would wait? First of all, would you choose to transfer, and how would you take it if you did? I. It's a very long pause. It's, I'm thinking. <laughs> it's a tough answer. I mean, let's just say you know nothing about the brand. Like you haven't watched two seasons of The Office to know what goes on there. Like you're just you just know that it's this crazy place that Jim came from, and that you hear he the has boss's a bunch crazy. Of stories. Yeah. Well, hey, if I get to keep my clients, you best believe I'm going <laughs> this in this job market. Come well, on, yeah, now. especially in 06, 07 ish when this is going on. Yeah, it's tough, but people need their paper. I would probably take the severance. I, there's no way I would last in Scranton. Like I'm, I'm very much a like I just want to go to work, get my work done, and go home. I, I want to be under the radar. Same here. Too much going on in Scranton. Like if Michael's up in my face all the time about what I'm doing, I would, I would not make it. See, I would probably end up punching him. I'm, I'm, um, I'm a this... really nonviolent cat, but when people like. Ugh, when they get in my personal space, especially if I'm at work, and it's yeah. like I'm literally here to do my job and go the fuck home. I don't want to deal with any of your crap. Yeah. And they keep going. That's when I'm ready to be like, all right. Part know, of part of my job is to deal with other people's crap. Well, specifically their crap on that happens on their computer if it's something's not going right on their computer. So like I will get these moods where it's just like everybody is asking for everything in one day and I just want to explode and then somebody comes in and asks me the dumbest question. I'm just like, what the fuck are you doing? Leave me the hell alone. I feel like if I worked at Scranton as Nick the IT guy, I would have to make <laughs> a lot of phone calls because that's my way of, of like decompressing after this stuff is like I just I deep I breathe deep I answer the person's dumb question I go fix it for them whatever it is and then I go outside and like immediately call my wife and just have to rant and and go and talk to my wife for like five minutes straight she doesn't interrupt me and she's like okay and then we hang up but like I would feel like I would be making a lot of phone calls to my wife if I worked in Scranton. See, I would pull the I would just have her on uh, my Bluetooth. Oh, the yeah the so she could hear Bluetooth. God, if I tell my wife half the dumb shit my boss says to me. And... Well, sometimes sometimes she like tries to take the other people's side, too. She's like, well, aren't you kind of supposed to do that? I'm like, well, yeah, but... I'm not... upset right now. You listen yeah, to me. Was... Like, I, I don't need to like connect your printer. You should be able to figure that out on your own or like reset your password. Like, that's not me. That's somebody else that does that. Like, when you... It's very difficult sometimes. Yeah. Google. I am not yeah. Google. I'm Calvin. A lot of times I Google things for them. <laughs> Whatever. They keep are they a hundred? No. Like, that's what the weird... Like, some people are older, and, like, they're... It's, it's in the construction business, so, like, I get it. These aren't people who are using computers every day in their day-to-day -day lives. They they don't get it. They're, they're slow adapters, things like that. But there are other things that's like, okay, I've been here for six years... And I've shown you how to do this 15 times in those six years. You should get this by now. Yeah, no it's... shit. Uh, yeah. And then the young people aren't any better in this job for some reason. There are some that are okay, but for the most part, it's, it's very difficult. Um, so final question. In the long run, was Dunder Mifflin better off leaving Scranton open versus Stanford? Uh, yeah, honestly. 
I mean, if if Dunder Mifflin's the one in, that ends up making all the money. Yeah, I mean, Scranton eventually becomes their most most profitable profitable branch, and I don't think there's anything that we saw of Stanford that would lead us to believe that that would happen in like that that if Stanford stayed open, this is the way it would go. Yeah, I mean, I think they would not follow the same trajectory as Scranton. They knew what they were getting from from Stanford, and I think mm-hmm. that's kind of why they kept Josh. Um, well, yeah, Josh was good and he was smart, but he was very inside the box thinking of like, this is how we do it. We make our calls. We have our team building call of duty. That's our fun. Everybody, get on the phone and call your clients. Yeah, he had X Y Z, whereas Michael has C, you know, Q and L. Throw three <clears throat> in there, maybe. Yeah, a couple dollar signs, whatever. Roman numerals, yeah, who knows. And yeah, that's why I said. Michael, for all his flaws, he did some amazing things for the company to keep them chugging along and keep his branch successful to the point where David Wallace is in season five is having him you know, come to New York to try and pick his brain, which he quickly finds out that there's not much in Michael's brain. But at the same time, like he was doing something right. I don't think I think Josh would have had the same problems that most businesses had between 2008 and 2010. But because you have someone like Michael who doesn't do things conventionally, you get a lot farther with that in those yeah. times. Most definitely, and he he's more of a, a leader. Like I, I know Andy specifically says to Josh, our fearless leader. But I feel like well, he's just kissing would, his ass. Yeah, exactly. I feel like the people at Scranton genuinely love michael scott as they genuinely hate him at times too though. oh yeah well don't you hate at times everybody you love isn't that why we fight with family and you know stuff like that we always get on That's each deep. other's nerves but it's when you forgive people and you still love them no when shit you, when you know you really get love deep them. here on a podcast about something today hey let me know <laughs> <laughs> that's true though everything you said is true and that's why it's impactful um, because like you said, Michael, he's, he's not the smartest person, but he has your back. Say oh, what yeah. you will about Michael Scott, but he would never do, do something that. like that. Yep. Exactly. I do. When Jim said that, that spoke volumes and it's <clears> true, <throat> but it's also bullshit because like Josh Porter did the right thing for himself. So fuck you, Jim. Yeah. Yep. They don't care. No. Um, you got anything else on the merger? I have nothing else on the merger except. I think we covered this beast. Yeah, I think we've covered this beast, and like I'm, I'm still standing firm on my top five greatest series, of, you know, involved with the office. Yeah, love like the the story arcs. Yes, yeah, I really like those three full episodes. And yeah, and and I mean, and they're dealing with the fallout for the rest of season three, pretty much, and even into season four a little bit when um, Karen is. Uh, in Albany or wherever she goes to Rochester, maybe I don't. I think know, it's somewhere. Rochester. Yeah, it could have been. Uh, so it's it's still going there. You know, she's got bad feelings for Jim, and you know, the, there's all this other stuff going on that's fallout from the merger. So it, it was a really cool thing that the office did to just bring in this entirely different group of people, and like have this kind of um, contention between them that never really like. The characters weren't ever contentious between each other, but there was this, okay, which branch is going to stay open in the world of the show? I think as watchers, we knew it was going to be Scranton, because Scranton's where everything happens. Oh, but definitely. like it, it was definitely a cool storytelling thing that The Office did. Oh, yeah, and I think they saw that they wanted to get Jim and Pam together. Like I think that was always in the plans, and this was, oh, yeah. in my mind, 
the best possible route they could have taken to get there. Like, it was convoluted. It yeah, they was had a big to, mess, but it made sense with They had to the spread office. it out more. It would have been yeah. weird if Jim left and then came back the it was just like, hey, six boo. episodes later and then they were just together. Like, giving Jim something else to do in that time, someone someone else to do in that time, I think really helped um, the, their relationship build because you got to see kind of through Pam what Jim had been feeling for the first two seasons. Now Pam's feeling that. And vice versa again. The whole Roy yeah. deal. Fucking Roy. Fucking Roy. <gasps> I mean... It... <laughs> Never mind. I'm not even going to go on that tangent. Fucking Roy just out here screaming like a dick at the bar, throwing shit. Yeah. Throwing shit at the weird mirror behind the bar, and his brother his brother randomly throwing things, too. That's weird. What, that's what bros do, bro. I guess. They throw things with you? Yeah, they bro down. I'm going to kill Jim Halpert. They should have had him trying. I mean, he did. Dwight stopped him like a superhero with pepper spray. Yeah, fucking Dwight. Chino chop. All right, that's all we've got today. <laughs> um, you've always left me satisfied and wanting more. <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, thank you for listening. Uh, check us out on Twitter at APA something at alone underscore podcast. You can check out our website, podcastaboutsomething.com. Check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash podcastaboutsomething. Um, you can, there's also a donate uh, button on our website on the About Us page. You can just go click if you don't like the monthly thing of Patreon, but you still want to support us, which we love, uh, then do it through the donate button. We would love that, and that's awesome. Um, any support we get really helps. We also have a cool idea coming up for our movie superlatives at the end of this month, we are doing Will Ferrell movie superlatives, and we want some input from listeners slash other podcasters. Yes, please. Yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to solicit, uh, once we figure out what our awards that we'll be giving out to the Will Ferrell movies, we will solicit some um, input from other podcasters or just our listeners, whoever wants to join in. We'll ask you to record you know, one to two minutes on why you pick a movie to win a certain award. And uh, send that back to us. So if you're interested in that, DM us on Twitter or send us an email uh, to a podcast about something at gmail.com and let us know what you think. Uh, all the music for a podcast about something is provided by those cats. You guys stay sexy. Stay classy.